The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am not on. I can't hear me. Do we have to? Oh, there we go. All right. Welcome to Welcome to Live Radio with Cold War era microphones. <laughs> you have to you have to tap them to make sure that they actually come on. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, everybody. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Of course, we are here as every week to. Uh, provide you the inspiration and information to start or grow your own real estate investing career. And uh, today we have a topic that I know many, 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 many of you have requested over the last couple of months, and that is how to get private lenders. So before we jump into that topic with both feet, where, by the way, you can ask your questions. Just go ahead and get them over here now. Get the questions over here now before we get toward the end of the show and getting flooded with emails that we can't answer. I'm happy to ask your questions instead of mine. Call 877-772-9658. 877-772-9658. Or as always, you can go to our website, which is realliferealestate.com. Fill out the Ask Vina a Question form there. It will come here. Oh, and by the way, while you're there, check out the offer on the upper left-hand side of that page. It is for a quick start program that is uh, all about wholesaling, how to get how to get started in wholesaling, kind of a step-by-step process that you can get as a real-life real estate listener for $1. Realliferealestate.com questions should come through there as well. Um, before we, before we jump in, quick announcement, uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is having its first July meeting this week. That's tomorrow. And it's, uh, it's one of the kind of fun meetings that RIA does during the course of the year. And that is, um, Shark Tank, (laughs) Real Estate Shark Tank. Uh, we've got three folks who are experienced investors slash private lenders slash potential partners, transactional funders, buyers of property, things like that. And we've got some members lined up who have deals they would like to see funded. And uh, so basically the members are going to stand up and talk about their deals and the sharks are going to say yes or no and why. And it's a really good, interesting way for you to watch uh, the right and wrong ways (laughs) to approach people with money. That's tomorrow night at the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati. You can get the location and RSVP. Just say, I'm coming, please. There's free dinner at 530 and we never know how much to order 
because we never know how many people are coming. RSVP at CincinnatiRia.com. Just download a guest pass. There's a guest pass thing there. Click. So uh, my guest today is Alan Cowgill, who is a full-time real estate investor working primarily in the Springfield, Ohio area. He started out in 1995, went full-time in 2001, and uh, is pretty well known around the country as being the guy who teaches people how to find private money for their real estate deals. He's got a uh, home study system called Private Lending Made Easy and has been uh, teaching that around the country for uh, quite, a, quite a long time. Quite, I've known Alan from that circuit for many, many years, but this was all a system that was built upon his own need to get private money when he went full-time in the real estate business and discovered that when you get successful enough to be full-time in the real estate business, the bank doesn't want to lend you any more money. Horrible catch-22 situation there. I, I finally am making so much money that I was able to quit my job and now the bank doesn't want to talk to me anymore. So uh, joining us from his home in Springfield is Alan Calgill. Alan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thanks, Mina. I appreciate you having me. And I appreciate you being here. This, of course, is, as, as you well know, a topic that, I don't know, everybody talks about it. Like everybody says, I got to get private lenders. I need to, I need to find more private lenders. But not too many people actually know how to do that. And um, I think I want to, I, I want to talk a little bit about your story in, in getting started, but I, I, I think I'd like to, to start by, by talking about what a private lender is and how it's different from something that we're being offered all the time now, which is, which is hard money. Yeah. The, the difference is that with, um, with hard money, the, the lender is setting the rules. Uh, but with a private lender, I've never had the private lender set the rules. I get to set the rules, and uh, uh, that was really appealing to me. With a hard money lender, um, you know, they're uh, they charge points and and loan fees and uh, early withdrawal fees and things like that. Uh, but with a private lender, you don't have any of that. And so, uh, what happens with my private lenders? I I uh, tell them uh, what I offer and. Uh, Hopefully we can get into that in a little bit, but um, I tell them what I offer and then let them pick which kind of terms they want, and uh, and we go from there. And they're basically focused on uh, the interest rate, not on my deal, whereas the hard money lender has to focus on the deal uh, to make sure that they've got everything covered on it. But the private lenders, mine don't. They don't, they don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Would Would it be fair to say that that hard money lenders are people and companies that are sort of, they're in the business of, of doing this. I mean, a lot of times hard money lenders, they're not even lending out their own money. They're, they're raising money and then lending out other people's money. Exactly. And, and they have, they have kind of a different set of both criteria and concerns because most of the hard money lenders I know, because they are kind of asset focused, they're kind of, you know, They've got their rules about we want to get an appraisal and we want to make sure we're only loaning you 65% of the after-repaired value and we're controlling where the rehab money goes and all of that stuff. They also are not that upset about having to repossess your property should the deal go bad, where most of the private lenders I know, that's like their nightmare scenario. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They, yeah. That's exactly right. They, 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 they don't. It's like pri- hard money lenders are looking for the highest possible profit. 
in points and you know interest rates and so on and private lenders are looking for mailbox money is how i always yep. how i always try and explain it to people okay so now that we hopefully have you know for the purposes of the listening audience um kind of kind of set the difference that the other the other thing that they need to know and this is going to be the main topic of our discussion today is that while hard money lenders will advertise i mean if you belong to a re association you've probably seen them at the group at the vendor show in the newsletter <laughs> they've got flyers that they put on your cars private lenders don't really hold themselves out like that and say i have money to lend it's more you having to find them yeah, that's fair. That's exactly how I, I find my lenders, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there are times that um, a real estate investor can't advertise for private lenders, but you've got to fill out some paperwork um, and normally pay a fee to do that with uh, the SEC. And it can be, a, we should say, it can be a sizable fee. <laughs> yeah, it can it can be. It sure can be. Yes. All right. So, uh, Alan, we are going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk briefly about kind of how you use your private money and then also how how people can use private money. And then we're just going to dive on in and talk about how do you find and approach these people. Listeners, if you've got questions about how to raise private money, 877-772-9658 is the number to call. You can also contact us through our website at realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Bina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Alan Cowgill, who has spent much of his own real estate career as well as his teaching career on private money, either raising it or showing other people how to raise it. Um, now, Alan, uh, you know, Springfield, Ohio is, is just sort of a wide spot in the road. Um, you're not, you're not, you're not like doing this in Boston or San Francisco or someplace where no. there's no. huge money necessarily <laughs> involved uh, in deals. Um, what, what is your real what does your real estate business look like? Well, uh, I'm mostly in, in Springfield. I uh, uh, got a house now in Dayton, Ohio, and I've had another one down there. But uh, mostly right in this area, uh, Urbana, Ohio, folks know where that is, which is north of uh, Springfield and over in Piqua. So um, I like to be able to go out and drive and be able to, you know, see my properties uh, in a short amount of time. So uh, that's that's the area that I cover. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with what? What is your primary exit strategy? Um, I buy, fix, and sell, uh, but I got I got rentals too. So, um, so I've got some long term long term properties. Uh, over the years, I've had uh, triplexes and doubles and duplexes and and uh, quads. I mean, I've had a couple couple five units, and uh, but normally it's single family homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and like I said, I, I buy, fix, sell, or I buy, fix, and hold. Mm-hmm. And do you do both of those things with private money? Yep, I sure do. And what about the folks who are in, let's say, Southern California, and when they find out that the median house price in Springfield is probably what ninety five thousand dollars or something, are going right. to are going to turn off their brains and say, "Well, this guy's got nothing to say to me because you know we can't buy we can't buy a driveway for ninety five thousand dollars down here." Right. Well, actually, I was, I was out in California here a couple weeks ago teaching. Uh, so there's there's a need out there to learn how to get private money too. It's 
it's all relative. You, they, uh, uh, you know, you you seem to ask what you get, what you ask for, and and out there, yeah, the prices of the property are are higher, and uh, they've actually got some very cool rules out there how they can they could raise a, a lot of private money uh, up to five million dollars a year with a certain program that uh, that I taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you so, can do this anywhere. I got students all over the United States. I got them in in, in other countries, Canada and Australia, and uh, other foreign countries. And so it's it's uh, and I got got students using successfully using private money, you know, all over the nation. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I've I've discovered about you know going to East Coast markets and Midwest markets and so on is that the private money is there for you because what the average person makes in San Francisco is a whole lot more than what the average person makes in Springfield, Ohio as well. So while you might, you know, you might be, Alan, you might be able to completely do a deal for $75,000 where you live, like buy it, fix it, all done. And that same deal might be a $375,000 deal in San Diego. There's also more people with $375,000 in San Diego than there are in Springfield. Yep. Yep, that's true. That's true. So that's exactly right. You know, uh, like I said, there's there are folks out there they they get what they ask for. They they go out and they uh, you know get a get a deal or or get the private lender first and and then uh, do the deal. So uh, it's it's uh, I know there's different prices and and people that you don't want to let that be a stumbling block because there's so much money out there you. You can't spend it all. I mean, it's phenomenal the amount of private money that's out there. Yeah, that when when you to. when you consider when you consider how, how many people are there in the world who have money that they would like to invest more more safely than they feel like the stock market is right because everybody's expecting a stock market crash in the next twelve right. months and also at a higher rate than they can get from the, quote, safe investments like CDs at 2.25% for a five-year CD. How many of those people are there that are sitting on some amount of money between, let's say, 50000 and $5 million versus how many people are there who are willing and know how to go buy, fix, and sell or buy, fix, and hold a house? There's a lot more people with money who are looking for a place to invest it than there are people with investments looking for money. That's exactly right. And, and it, what, uh, what I do every now and then is I go out and I take a look at USA Today, and on the Thursday paper, on the money tab, bottom left-hand corner, I'll have national average CD rates. And I looked at it here, uh, actually when I was out in California, and the going rate at that time for a one-year CD was 0.035%. <laughs> I mean, that's pathetic. I mean, you take... For a simple example here, Veena, if you take $100,000 times 0035, that's only 350 bucks after the end of the year. I mean, that's horrible. And, and what we can offer is so much more than that. I mean, people can get thousands of dollars, and, and uh, the lender would get many times their money if they'd loan it to a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can at least, you know, meet the rate of inflation with our interest rates as opposed to... Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually losing spending power by putting your money into a CD. Okay, so um, walk us through the beginning of all of this for you, because do you think it's fair to say that most people, the most most of these people who are talking about giving private, getting private lenders, but aren't doing it, aren't doing it because they're scared? 
Yeah, they they, they don't know the rules and and they're and they're fearful. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and they're just afraid to go ask people for money. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, you know if people would just get a little bit outside their comfort zone on asking for money, the the floodgates of money can open up for you, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what's happened to me. Um, when I got when I got started, Vina, I was uh, I was in corporate America for a quarter century, twenty five years, and the catalyst that got me got me started into real estate was I was broke. Even though I'd been successful in corporate America, I was living in a little dinky two bedroom apartment and struggling paying the bills. And kind of let you know what I was living through at the time. I had this old beat up car that needed repair work, and I put that on the back burner. And one night on a first date, that car paid me back. I took this lady home, hopped out of the car started to walk her up to an apartment uh, after our very first date and turn around and look, my car had burst into flames. <laughs> and here's this, you know, successful middle manager and he can't even afford to get his car fixed. So it was pretty embarrassing. I mean, standing there holding a hand watching a fireman put my car, car out. Every morning when she woke up, the remember that date was a burnt charred mark. Well, later on, I I was home and uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep, went to bed, couldn't sleep and got up and started to channel surf and I hit one of these real estate infomercials. And uh, I desperately wanted to change my life. I just didn't know how to do it. And I thought maybe that was the the avenue for me. And so I picked up the phone and I ordered that system and it changed my life. And I started to buy real estate that year. I bought two properties, next year five, next year 18. Since that point in time, I've done hundreds of deals. And the second year in business, I uh, I got my first private lender. And what had happened was I was you and I talked about hard money lenders here a little bit ago. Uh, I heard this thing about hard money lenders and private lenders, and I thought they were the same. And I'm really tickled you started off with the definition of the fact that they were different. Um, because with the hard money lenders, they set the rules. Well, I realized with a private lender, I got to set the rules. And so I went back to my mom, who had come into some money when my dad passed away. And I, I said, look, I can give you a, a mortgage, a promissory note, hazard insurance, lender title insurance, and I can pay you a high rate of return and much more than you're getting from the poultry low rate of return you're getting on a bank CD. And mom jumped for joy, and she was my very first lender. And so that's that's what got me started on on using private money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Alan, I never like to argue with guests. It's just rude. Well, I like it a little bit. But I'm going to quibble with something you said there, which is that, 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 that that system that you bought on late night TV got you started. And I'm going to say that what actually happened was you implementing what was in the system. Yeah, that's true. Got you started. Because... I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I opened it up and used it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is which is which is a which is a key learning for a lot of listeners who've got those things sitting on their shelves and are wondering why they're not making millions of dollars by not implementing the stuff that they learn. So, so yeah. mom, mom was the first private lender. So that's easy. Yep, but, that was easy. But I, I mean, I say that I know I know lots of people who've been turned down by their own relatives, but, yeah. <laughs> including myself. I wasn't turned down, but my dad told me that his rates were twelve percent interest and six points, and I just I I you know I was I was like hard money rates, and I just right. I wasn't going to do that. So um, let, let's talk about where you went from there, because, you know, one, one of the other things about private lenders is they do not have endless amounts of money. And if you want to do the next deal, and the next deal, and the next deal, sometimes you've got to have several sitting around. So so where did the next private lender come from? Well, I uh, uh, 
knew a gentleman, went over to his house and sat at his kitchen table, and um, he asked me a bunch of questions. I'm a little bit embarrassed to tell you. I couldn't answer him that night because I was new at it. But by the time I got done, uh, he was attracted to high rate of return, and he, he loaned me money. And uh, and so uh, next thing I did, I, I actually didn't get private lenders for a while after that because I didn't see the power and the potential. But what happened was the company I was with had a layoff, and um, I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to be a full-time real estate investor, and they offered a package, uh, a sweetened package, for anybody that would volunteer, and so I took it, and I uh, I volunteered uh, to be laid off uh, after 17 and a half years with that company, and stepped out as a full-time real estate investor. And the only problem of it is my timing was a little bit off. There was a downturn in the rental market. I had to evict some folks, and I ran into a negative $10,000 a month cash flow problem. And I realized at that juncture that the answer to my situation was to embrace this private lender concept. Uh, and so what I did was um, I, I had a meeting with private lenders, and I bribed them with a lunch, called it a luncheon. And uh, I didn't know the morning I walked in there, being if I was going to be alone or if I'd get a pile of people in the room. And there was 18 folks, potential private lenders, in the room. And I got up in front of them. I told them about my real estate business and my uh, dreams, and uh, I showed them a, a PowerPoint presentation that I put together and then I just flat out asked them to loan me money, and it worked. And I did the next next month. I had 12 people show up. It worked again. And a couple months later, I added up and I had a million dollars to go buy property. Mm-hmm. And that was the uh, that was the, that was the big stepping stone for me was to do that. And then later on, I realized that I could tap into uh, people with 401ks if they had quit, retired, or gotten laid off. And you folks that are listening out there, you ought to write that down, quit, retired, or gotten laid off, and they got a 401K, they can roll that money over into a self-directed IRA. And that just turned turned on the floodgates being a, a private money for me. Mm-hmm. Now let me, let me ask you a question, because we've had guests on the program over the last few years who've talked about SEC stuff and Jobs Act stuff, and you said that you got a bunch of people together and just asked them to borrow money. How yep. how did you do that? Well, um, what I did back then, not knowing any better, is I ran an ad, and that was a no-no. Uh, so uh, that's how I started out. Then I learned later on that you aren't allowed to do that. You aren't allowed to advertise unless you've asked for permission. And so uh, I would advise everybody right now, not not to go out and advertise because you can get in trouble with the SEC on that if they find out about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is this is not the strategy today. <laughs> nope, that is not. But, you know, part of the thing is getting started with something like this is um, you got you got to get some training on the SEC, and it's so critical. Uh, the nice thing about it is there's only five areas in every single state that. Um, uh, that the SEC really focuses on and controls, and one is advertising. They don't want you to go out and advertise and build a uh, an empire and then have that fall and hurt a lot of folks. And so they require that in every single state that you fill out some paperwork and, and turn in some, uh, uh, maybe pay some money. And like you said, in some cases it's big money. Um, the second thing is is pooling. You can't pool the money. 
it's just like advertising uh, unless you ask for permission. And so pooling is uh, having more than one lender uh, on uh, a promissory note, different people. Mm-hmm. And so you, they control that in every single state. The third item is um, commissions. You can't pay commissions unless um, uh, you're in three states, which is Texas, uh, I believe Minnesota, and South Dakota. And there you can have finders. And then the last two are thresholds. Um, in our state, Vena, we can have 10 lenders. If you want to go over that, then you have to fill out some paperwork and, and ask to, if you can go over that amount. And then uh, the other one is dollar limits. Uh, our, in our state, it's a million dollars. And uh, in every other state, it's a million dollars, except for Indiana and I believe uh, New Hampshire. And those are half a million. So they control that. And, uh, and rightfully so. It's the right thing for the SEC to do. The SEC, um, uh, they don't ask for a lot uh, as far as what we need to do as real estate investors, but it's, um, but it's important stuff that we need to follow. The other thing, Vina, that we need to do is uh, give the lender a disclosure statement. Mine's nine pages long, and, um, and every and I actually think it's better for us, the real estate investor, than it is for the lender. The SEC does it for the lender because they want to ha- make sure that the lender has full facts mm-hmm. about um, what who we are, what we're going to do with the money, and how they're going to get paid back, and how the money is secured. Or that, and, or that they could lose it. I mean, I've exactly. I, I've, I've seen your disclosure, and and as I was reading through the first time, I was like, oh my god, he's telling them like. 99 ways that they could oh, yeah. potentially lose their money and then I and then I thought you know anybody who freaked out when they saw this I wouldn't want as a lender anyway because if it's if it's going to keep them up at night that they could possibly lose their money they need to put their money in their mattress you know or in a, in yep. a CD yeah. or something uh because if it, if it's going to keep them up at night then they're going to keep me up at night you know they're going to be nervous Nellies and it's not it's not the right investment for them um alan we need to take a quick break when we come back we're going to ask ask excuse me answer a couple of questions that have come in from listeners who went to our website at realliferealestate.com they clicked the button that said ask vina a question and filled in the question and then hit send and here they are in my inbox if you have a question about getting private lenders or would like to call it in Uh, 877-772-9658 is the number to call. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Alan Cowgill, who for the first time in like a freaking decade is going to be speaking at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit in Cincinnati on November the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Every year for the, this is a true story. Every year for the past 10 years, we have asked Alan to come speak, and every year he has had a conflict on that date. And this year we moved to the convention. So so he can can and will be there. And uh, there will be more information about that event up on WMKV's website in a couple of weeks, because as always, OREA being a nonprofit organization has donated a handful of seats to the station for folks who pledge a minimal amount of money 
to be there. And you will hear more about that as time progresses. But obviously, you want to be there and see Alan and Robin Thompson and George Antone and all the other fantastic speakers that are lined up. We even, Alan, we're even working on an Airbnb speaker this year, and I am going to be sitting in that class. That's awesome. I know, because I want to. I totally want to Airbnb my properties. Um, okay, so I uh, got a couple of questions that have come in here via email uh, since we started the show. And by, way, by the way, again, listeners, go to realliferealestate.com. Um, click the button that says, ask me that question. It will come in here. Uh, we have a question here from Brad in Nashville. Brad says, first of all, I love the story about how you didn't know how to answer the lender's questions, but you went and met with him anyway. That's great. My question with lenders is always when they ask me about is whether their money is secure, how do I explain that to them? Well, that, that's a that's a great question. You know, just, just like we were talking about uh, before the break, you know, real estate is, is risky. Um, so... What I what I do is is everybody knows that though, so there's no point in hiding it. And just like Venus said, I took a lot of time and effort in my disclosure to disclose many many things that make it risky. But what I wanted to add was I have never ever lost a lender because of that because they know it's risky. And and what they do is they tend to focus on the high rate of return. I mean we are so much better than the double oh three five percent that I talked about earlier. Uh, what I do is I focus uh, the discussion on, on what they do get. They get a mortgage, a promissory note, hazard insurance, and lender title insurance with me. Uh, and then I come back and I say, you know, it's the same thing that the bank did on your personal residence. And they get it. They understand that. And they're tickled about that. So um, so uh, you, it, on, the, on talking about the word secure, um, my attorney told me, my SEC attorney, uh, Put the word, put a D on the end of that. Secured, because you don't want to mislead the the lender, making them think like the the loan is guaranteed. We, you know, we aren't FDIC insured like a like a bank is, a bank CD, um, and so you can't say the word uh, secure. You can't say low risk. You can't say guaranteed you, because you don't want to. Uh, unintentionally mislead the private lender. Yeah, those those words have an actual legal meaning when it comes to yeah, making investments, which which has which has to do with whether the borrower, the person with whom you are making the investment, has things like FDIC insurance. So, yeah, Brad, that's a that's a great point. When you say your lender is secured what you mean is there is a document in place that says if Brad doesn't pay me, I get to sell the house at a public auction to get my money back. And that is my security. It's, it's, it's weird in real estate because, you know, of course a mortgage is, it's called a security instrument. <laughs> and yet we have to kind of be careful about that, that word secured. So. Yep. Uh, Appreciate the uh, appreciate the question, Brad. We also have a question here from Sarah in Newport, Kentucky. Sarah says, uh, Alan mentioned that he does both fix and flips and also long-term holds. Does this mean he pays different private lenders different amounts of interest? Yeah, that's true. Um, what I The way I pay, I pay th- three ways. And this isn't the way I started out, but it, it, it evolved into this and it works out very great. Um I have two versions of of a monthly payment. I I, uh, uh, pay folks monthly, simple interest, or I will uh, amortize the loan. 
pay monthly and let it, let it uh, go down. The other way is for a higher interest rate, uh, I will let the money accrue and they get paid when I get paid, which is when I sell the property. So uh, taking you back in time, for an example, when I got started, uh, the going rate was 15%, and uh, that was what people were paying, and, and it was acceptable. And over time, I got feedback from my lenders that 15% was too good to be true, and so I had to lower my interest to keep them happy. Uh, and normally people laugh when I say that in a crowd. So what happens is I lowered it to 10 and 12%. 10% if they take monthly payments, 12% if they let the money accrue and they get paid when I got paid. And now it's shifted again, and so uh, the going rate throughout the nation is between 6 and 8%. Uh, but I would pay even a little lower than that for amortization. So the lowest rate would be when you're going to amortize. If you're if you're paying simple interest only, I'd go six percent uh, or thereabouts. You can pick any number you want. I'm just painting a, uh, a picture here of what you can do, but you can pick whatever you want. And then I see the higher end is is if they let the money accrue, they get a benefit of that, and so they get paid when I sell the house, uh, all principal and all interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thanks for the question, Sarah. Now you you ha- you said a, a minute ago that you're uh, you had to lower the rates on your lenders because they thought it was too good to be true, and um, that's so correct. And it's not it's not it's not so much in my experience. It's not so much the existing lenders. Existing lenders want to keep getting what they were getting in 1992 when interest rates were 16 yeah. percent interest, and they get upset when you say, "Well, that's not actually the going rate anymore," but new lenders seriously guys alan is not kidding if you name an interest rate that sounds made off ish even 12 like 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 12 can get can be getting toward the the top of that people literally will not lend you money because they think it has to be a scam because how in the world could you possibly pay them 12 when the bank's only getting 4.5 yep that's exactly right you know i you know here's the thing you know the Markets fluctuate; they go up and down, and and if somebody's out there going twelve percent, and and they could get by with with seven, and then the uh, the interest rates uh, start to go up with banks, uh, the the real estate investor isn't going to be very happy because they're they're going to have to push their rate up too. Uh, the lenders are going to want more based on the fact that the the bank rates are going up, and uh, you know you you could put yourself in a, in an awkward position. So I think it's better off just staying within what the current market is. And when the rates go up, then you can go up. Mm -hmm. Very true. Now, the other thing that I sort of wanted to say out of that um, conversation you just had with Sarah was it's it's easy for Alan Calgill to pay 6 to 8 to 10% on a property, even if he's holding it, because he lives in Springfield, Ohio. And the the cost of properties versus rents is, is low. And, you know, Alan, I have I have 8% loans with lenders that are fully amortizing loans on rentals, and it works. Because, mm-hmm. you know, my, my best rental is probably worth $130,000. But if you live in an, in an expensive market, don't, don't, just, don't just accept these rates and say, well, this is what I'm going to go offer people. Do the math on your own market before you run off and start offering people particular interest, particular interest rates on buy and hold now on properties you're going to buy and sell alan it almost doesn't matter what you pay right right yep if, if you're going to have the money for six months <laughs> the difference between 12 percent and 14 <laughs> percent just just isn't that much money right yep 
That's that's true. That's exactly right. So you make a good point. They need to look at their market, see what uh, what makes sense out there. Uh, if you're going to buy and hold, and you know you get your interest rate too high, then you know you you, you could get out there and and be in trouble on it. So you need to you need to throttle it down to where it makes sense. Yeah. Do not do not use other people's money in a deal that's not going to work. Right. That is like a terrible, terrible business crashing idea. Okay, so uh, Alan, one more quick break, and then we're going to come back and and take some more questions. Uh, if there's any folks who want to call your questions in, which is the one way you're going to guarantee it's going to get answered, eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. You can also uh, just go to realliferealestate.com, fill out the ask a question box there, and send it in via email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Alan Calgill. We're talking about private lenders, how to get, um, how to treat, etc. And um, got a question here, and I will just I will just warn you ahead of time, Alan, that JC tends to ask more in-depth and sophisticated questions than many of our listeners do. Uh, JC says, how would he handle a private lender prospect who has funds available to invest, but for whom there is no current suitable opportunity? Which I think is JC's way of saying you got, uh, you talk to somebody, they totally want to lend you money, but you haven't got a deal to put it in right now. Yeah, what I do um, is uh, when when somebody tells me that they got uh, money to loan, um, I, I immediately shift into talking to them about the mechanics of, of how it's going to work. And and I say, you know, uh, I need to have your money be ready for me. I, I'll have you send a wire down uh, to the attorney, you know, in Leno, Ohio, we can close with attorneys or, you know, title company for the other states out there. And I say, I'll be getting a hold of you in the next four to six weeks, and I just need to have you be ready for me. Will that work for you? And they always say yes. And if I get close to that, and I don't have a deal coming through, uh, then the righteous thing to do is to call the lender. What what so many real estate investors do is they they think, uh, you know, maybe if they don't say anything that the lender won't catch it. Well, that's not true. They want to get their money working. And so let's say you, you get uh, three, four weeks out there and you don't have anything coming through, then, then what I do is I call them up and I say, uh, I don't see anything coming through that looks good for you and me. I include the lender in this. And I said, for you and you and I, and uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm probably going to be out another four to six weeks. Can you hang in there? And they always say yes. So that's how I handle it. You know, when, when, what we've got to do is, is we crank up our buying machine uh, to get open in the front end, the piece of the funnel and have, have properties come in. And after folks meet me, they learn about private money. And I tell them, now you got a second crank. And uh, and you got to be cranking. You got to figure out which one you got more of. If you got more property and you got money, then you need to uh, crank the uh, uh, the money crank. But but in JC, in your case, uh, looks like you got a lender, no deal. So you got to crank up your your uh, buying crank. And uh, they're never equal. Uh, one's going to be higher than the other one. And so you just need to be cognizant on on which one you you need to crank. Mm-hmm. So that's how I handle it, Bina. Yeah, and again, don't do a deal because you have a lender. Do a deal because it's a good deal. Because it's a good deal. That's exactly <laughs> right. And and don't touch the money. That's something else I, I should talk about is, 
you promise the lender that the money is secured by real estate, and that's why they loan you money, uh, typically. And so, uh, therefore, if somebody comes along and and they got the money, whether you got a deal or not, don't touch the money. Have them send the money into the closing. I normally order up money about seven to ten days in advance, and then uh, and then we close. And so uh, that's what you need you need to handle because in your disclosure statement you're going to tell them that the money is secured by real estate even if you haven't done done it verbally because it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ninety percent of the private lender ripoffs I ever see, or I've got a private lender calling me saying, "I don't know what happened. Uh, the guy seems so nice, and." Now he won't return my phone calls, and I haven't gotten a payment in eight months, and I drove by the house, and it's not there, you know, that sort of thing. Yep. The way they happened was that the private lender started out by sending the guy the money instead of the title company the money. It's a good and, way to lose your money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no documents. There's nothing back in this. Oh, it's okay. I'll just put it in my bank account until until they're ready to close, and then I'll write the check. No, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. Okay. Uh, question from Matt. He says... Ask Alan how he would initially bring up the private lender opportunity in a conversation on a one-on-one basis with someone. Okay. Uh, what you need to do first is, is a, a pre-screening uh, question for them. Uh, for an example, uh, do you have IRA or investment capital that's not currently earning a high rate of return? That would be a, my pre-screening. Uh, if they come back and they say, you know, no, I don't have any money. Well, you're done. They're broke. You could ask for referrals, but you're basically done. Um, but if they come back, well, they're they're uh, they're curious, or yeah, I've got some money, but it's uh, not doing as well as I'd like. Then you move into the the second step, which is what I call my 30 second commercial, which is I'm a real estate investor in Springfield, Ohio, and at times I borrow money from folks just like you. I pay a high rate of return. Can I tell you more? And the hook in that is I pay a high rate of return. If you leave that out, you blew the whole paragraph. So you want a, a terse statement that you can memorize, and you just basically let them know what you do. You don't want to make the, you don't want to give them too much detail in there uh, because that gets into step three. When uh, when I ask them, can I tell you more? They get into step three. Well, uh, what I want to do in step three is answer their questions. Uh, what are their concerns? And they basically come down to three three different questions. One is security. Uh, one is greed. They want more money. Or number three is if, if you're a new real estate investor, you know, how many lenders do you have? And so you need to be prepared to answer answer those three. And then at that juncture, and you might, people are listening, you might want to write this down. What I do at that point is is I ask them, are you ready to get involved? I don't say, do you have money to loan or, you know, anything. I just say, are you ready to get involved? And if they say yes, and I say, how much uh, would you like to invest? They'll give me a number, and whatever they give me, I I say this. Uh, If I find a deal worth X, should I call you? What that is, I double their money. So if somebody says, you know, somebody says, I'm going to loan you half a million, I would say, well, if I find a deal worth a million, should I call you? A lot of times they'll say yes. You just doubled your money. And then I shift into the last phase, which is the mechanics of how they get the money to the closing table. If uh, if you let's back this up, if they say, "Well, let me think about it," uh, after you get through the first three steps that I gave you, and you say you're ready to get involved, and they say, "Let me think about it," then I would uh, give them some information about private money, 
and uh, let them let them think it over. And then I would follow up within uh, about a week. And 60% of your money comes from follow-up. My follow-up is very gentle. Uh, I call them up and ask them if they got any questions. And this is not a high-pressure program with me. It's very soft and gentle, and uh, and I want to know. I want to make it good for them and good for me. Mm-hmm. Now we've had a, an attorney on here a couple of times, Jillian Sedoti, who's uh, out of out of California. You may know her, who has strongly suggested that before you start talking anything about interest rates, like I can give you ten, I can give you eight, or whatever, that you need some sort of a pre-qualification it's it's that whole idea that people get confused about you know you know the lender you've had three contacts or whatever which it turns out doesn't exist in the law um what she suggests is that you actually have some sort of a written you know do you have advisors are you sophisticated do you you know how much money can you afford to lose all that sort of thing where do where do you stand on that well what I do, I say I pay a high rate of return, like I said there, um, uh, in that second step. And one of their questions could be, well, what do you pay? And at that juncture, I would say, well, my range is, is X to X, you know, depending on what you, what you want to do. And then I, I can explain what, what, the, what the interest is for amortizing or, or simple interest or um, – or they'll let the money accrue, which mm-hmm. is the highest interest rate. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the way I handle it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they uh, they'll ask questions about, well, how do I know if my money is secured? Well, then I go in and they get a mortgage, a promissory note, you know, hazard insurance, and lender title insurance. Mm-hmm. So, so based on the legal uh, advice you've gotten, you feel okay about going ahead and talking to people about rates without some sort of a formal written prequalification. Oh, oh. Well, the question of it is, are you talking to people you know or people with strange or that are strangers? You know, we uh, we can talk to people that we know in in every single state, uh, except uh, there's 13 states that uh, need to fill out a piece of paper and uh, sometimes pay a fee before they get their first lender, and they need to know if you're in one of those 13 states. If you're talking to a stranger, uh, what what uh, Julian is is talking about is is a you can't make a specific offering to a stranger, mm-hmm. and she's right. Mm-hmm. So it ha- if you're if you're dealing with a stranger, then you have to back up in every single state and fill out some paperwork, and uh, and pay pay a fee if there is one. Sometimes there's no fee. It depends on which program uh, you pick. Mm-hmm. that's available to you through the SEC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and any any listener who wants to go back and, and hear Jillian can go on com, and we've got, you know, two or three hundred shows archived there and they can sort of sort of listen to both sides of this because I hate to tell you this, folks, but the correct answer to most real estate questions is, in fact, it depends. So get used to it. Uh, okay, Alan, we've got about a minute left. Um, Looking back, I mean, you've been doing this a long time, and, and in a lot of ways, you kind of developed this business yourself because there wasn't a lot of information when you started about how to do it. What would you do differently if you could go back to 1995 and start again? Well, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I, um, when I came up, there wasn't a lot of if, there wasn't a lot of information. If if there was information, a lot of it wasn't accurate, and so I had to get out there and and kind of figure it out for myself and. Um, what I did along the way is I hired an SEC attorney, 
And when he got done, he called me up and he said, hey, I want to thank you. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, I'm moving into my new house and you just bought it. <laughs> now, that's not what you want to hear from anybody, Vina. Uh, but it gives you an indication of the moral obligation I had to my students uh, to make sure that, that we had the facts on this. And so what would I do sooner? Well, uh, you know, I got private my first private lender within the uh, second year of my business, but uh, I would have gone after more private lenders, but I, I would have also known the rules. Mm-hmm. I would have got that attorney quicker, and uh, and known what the rules are, uh, mm-hmm. so that uh, so that I could I could uh, move forward quickly on this and know sure that, that I was I was treating the lenders the way I should be treat them when then right like the disclosure statement we talked about and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, so I would uh, I would bring the lender, more lenders in sooner, uh, learn about the regulations. And tap into this uh, 401k money for people who retired, quit, or laid off because that is a flood of money. Uh, Excellent. For everyone. Excellent. Yeah. Well, really appreciate you, Alan, and and thank you for coming on and enlightening us about uh, how this business works, at least in your world. And we look forward to seeing you at the OREA uh, National Strategy Summit on November 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. Put that on your calendar, people. Don't want to be getting up to the point where you're being asked to make a pledge for that. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting married that weekend. Get married some other weekend need to be here for that. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.